0: Well, good morning, everyone. If you uh, have a Bible, please turn to Ephesians chapter 5. If you don't have one, there are plenty of church Bibles at the back. In the church Bibles, it's page 978. Page 978. Uh, And this morning, we are looking at verses 1 to 6. Chapter 5, verses 1 to 6. Ephesians chapter 5 from verse 1. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Let's pray together. Father God, we pray this morning that though we are few in number, that you would be powerful and mighty in your spirit to apply these words to our hearts. We pray that you would help us to listen, help us to be humble. Pray, Lord, that you would help us to see your truth this morning. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we continue in this section about walking with God, which means how we live as, as Christians. And this morning, I want to ask the question to begin with, what does God see when he looks at you? What does God see as he looks at you walking along with him? Well, our passage this morning suggests that God sees us as his beloved children. Isn't that quite something? And by application or implication, Paul therefore instructs us that we are to walk and to live as God's children. And the flow of the argument goes out into chapter 5, but this morning we're just focusing on verses 1 to 6. And we see that Paul says, as God's children, we must imitate God. We must imitate God and walk in love. And the instruction to imitate God and walk in love, it comes from these first two verses, verses 1 and 2. And I think these two verses are like two big, juicy steaks. Uh, So we're going to spend a a good deal of time chewing on them this morning. So let's start with with verse 1. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children the challenge of becoming imitators of God, I mean, that really steals the, the show. But let's start with this idea of being God's beloved children. How often does that cross your mind? We're God's beloved or, or dearly loved children. Now, remember, as we, as we use this language about our relationship with God, we're not thinking of our Imperfect relationship with our imperfect earthly parents. I know that's a, a sensitive uh, area for some of us, but we're focused on our perfect God, our Father in heaven who is holy, who brings us into his kingdom, whose will we want to see done, whose will we love to do, who feeds us, teaches us forgiveness, who delivers us from evil. Our Father. He sees us as his dearly loved children. And it's a miracle that he sees us this way, isn't it? Considering what we talked about last week, if you were here, how the human condition that we're born into is one of total depravity. And how, even though now as Christians we've, we've been given a new self, but we're still weak, we still stumble, we sin, we get it wrong, and yet God sees us and loves us as his children. Sometimes if I'm, I'm walking along and I'm feeling quite uh, heavy and weighed down in my heart, maybe I'm thinking of my failures, my failures to, to love people. Maybe their faces come to mind. I turn to God, God our Father, and those words of Scripture press on my mind, you are my son. But how is that possible? Well, Paul told us in chapter 1, verse 5 and 6, In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the Beloved. God has adopted us as his children through Jesus Christ. He has blessed us in the beloved. To put it simply, God looks at us and amazingly, he sees Christ. Isn't that a relief? For example, God the Father looks at a Christian, let's say Bertha. He sees how Bertha lives, her daily routine, her habits. He sees when Bertha does good works, but he also sees when Bertha fails, when she gets it wrong. And in both cases, he sees her with love, because he sees her in the beloved Jesus Christ. And we emphasize this to people who don't yet have a faith. You're not adopted by God because of how good you are or how bad you are. It's about coming to christ it's about being clothed in his holiness and righteousness it's about being adopted into the beloved son of god and through this understanding of what it means to be children of god we we can consider what it means to imitate god let me provide a, or offer an illustration. So one morning last week we were, we were having breakfast and I, uh, I'd eaten my oats and I sat back and I folded my arms and then I look at Mia and she's done exactly the same thing. I decide I'm going to put my, my hands on my face and then suddenly, yep, yeah, she does that as well. She's imitating us more and more. And if i if i start dancing she'll copy me but what we're really talking about is something slightly different to copying because she she imitates me in a way that she doesn't even realize quite often people say well that's that's rob's smile or you know etc cetera, etc cetera. and i say that because it tells us something important about imitation Imitating our parents is something that we all do without thinking about it. You know, I've spent years trying to avoid being like my parents, but once Fern got to know them, she'd be like, yep, that's how you're like dad, your mum, you know, it's inevitable. And it's that sort of unconscious dynamic of imitation that, you know, that, we're, that I think Paul is, is highlighting in a way. Because when we're, we're called to imitate God, it doesn't mean that we simply just copy him exactly it means that like children we're, we're always watching him beholding him we're looking at him following him learning from him to the point where without even noticing it we start to reflect something of him there's something about seeing god seeing who god is and what god has done what god is doing that just shapes and changes us as his children We look to God, to his character, and through that we imitate him. We live as God lives. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, you must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. John in his first letter says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And Paul says at the end of chapter 4, verse 32, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Now consider a church community of forgiveness. Would we reflect council culture, or would we reflect something of God? And notice again verse 32, it's, as God in Christ forgave you. All of Paul's instructions for Christian living are in the context of who God is and what God has done in Christ. Okay, So notice chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. His Instruction is to walk in love, but in the context of who God is in Christ. But what does the phrase walk in love even mean? Well, I think, think of it this way. We walk in rain, right? We walk in the rain or we walk in the sunshine. Uh, and I think the, the light and the warmth of the, the sun is, it particularly illustrates chapter 5 as a whole. So we'll, we'll stick with that. As we walk in the sun, we bask in it, we bathe in it. Uh, It comes down, it surrounds us, it sinks into our skin. Just as it feeds and nurtures us, it also feeds and nurtures uh, the plants and the trees. I think that's what Paul is saying here about God's love. The Father so generously gives out, pours down his love over us. From heaven, his love shines down on us, his children, like the radiance and the warmth of the sun. The problem is, the Christian life doesn't always feel like that. But imagine it did. Imagine it's a normal day. Maybe you're at work, you're on the bus or you're in the shop, and suddenly you pause. You stop because you can feel the love of God shining on you. You close your eyes because his love is so intense, and you feel the warmth of his love pressing against you. His, so, his love is so warm that you believe if you were to open your eyes, you would see the Lord standing in front of you. Wouldn't that be amazing? And we do get snippets. We get moments of this love, but friends, this. This is what the new creation will be like all the time. And so let me encourage you, if you would love to experience a life where you always feel that love, it is possible. In Christ, in Christ we have access to this love. We become God's children and one day, one day we'll embrace this love fully as if there's no veil But here we are, we're in a time when it feels sometimes like there's more than a veil between us and God. That's why Paul writes this letter. Take a moment to think of his situation. Paul sits in this dark prison cell, cold chains rubbing against his skin. How much of God's love did he feel as a prisoner? Well, amazingly, from what we read in his letters, he did feel strongly the warmth of God's love. And he writes to encourage other Christians to say, you must also lean into God's love. You must walk in God's love. His love is there regardless of your situation, of of what the world around you says or looks like. But we question it. Is that possible? Paul didn't have my problems Paul didn't have my conflicts to deal with Paul didn't have my kids to deal with Paul didn't have to face the job that I have Paul didn't have to work the hours I do We say there's there's too many barriers in life to walk in God's love I'm too busy I'm too hurried I have serious things to deal with. I don't have time for that airy, fairy stuff like walking in love. But what Paul does in verse 2 is help us to realize that walking in love is not some unrealistic message. This is deeply real. It's really challenging. And it pierces the bubble on our thinking about what love is. Because it's in the context of what God has done in Christ. Paul says, remember and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Walking in love, says Paul, is like the walk Christ took to the cross. Isn't that something? Is this how we think of walking in love? Is this the love that churches across Scotland and Britain are preaching this morning? A love that has the scent of a sacrifice to God. As churches uh, happily discuss hot topics of the day, our cultural moment, ethics. Very quick to speak of love, but is this a sacrificial love? When we read the Bible, we see how the Son of God constantly walked in his Father's love, a love that imitates. The Father so poured out his love on the Son that the Son lived in a way that expressed something of his Father's love. John tells us, God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And the Son so loved us, so loved you, that he willingly gave himself up so that we would have eternal life. And it pleased the Father. It pleased the Father to see the Son walk in his love. It pleased the Father to see his Son keep walking in his love as he faced the hardship of life, of temptation. And to see how he kept walking in his father's love as people criticized him, accused him of doing wrong. They mocked him, they spat on him. And as his body was broken, and even when those nails were hammered into his skin, he walked in his father's love. And he kept walking in his father's love, as he was raised from dead and walked in his resurrected body, shining in God's glory and as he ascended into glory to be with his Father. Walking in love, walking in love as Christ's lover love does, is deeply realistic because it penetrates into every area of our reality. It's not our hardship that prevents us from walking in love. It's in those hardships where Paul wants us to lean in, to look and seek more closely, to know we're in God's love. The fallen world around us, the the sin that surrounds us, That lingers within us makes it very difficult to feel His love at times. Like dark clouds, they fill the skies of our lives. And that's why imitation is important to keep looking to the supreme and perfect example of the Son of God. Keep looking to Jesus, our Master, our teacher nurtured by by word and sacrament, praying to the Spirit to fan the flame of the love of Christ within us. John, John Owen used to say before serving the Lord's Supper, to be like God is to love Jesus Christ. All the love of the Father rests on the Son. He is the object of the Father's love. And this relational love of God is, is what we receive as we come to the Son of God, as we become children of God. As the Father loves, the Son loves. And as God's dearly loved children, we are to walk in this love. And we are to love one another. But he never said it was going to be easy. This, this imitation, to be imitators of God by, by walking in love, is... Our greatest challenge. Now, we've spent a lot of time on on just these these two verses, these two uh, juicy steaks. But I think it's important that we also uh, spend time in verses three to six before we finish. If uh, these first two verses were like steaks, verses three to six are like a, a sprinkle of a uh, pepper sauce, or as Brendan recommended me and Gavin last week maybe jam with a bit of chili in it. Apparently that's good on steak. So let's, let's briefly look at verses 3 to 6. Now you'd, you'd expect that Paul, after speaking about walking in love, you'd expect him to unpack it more of what it means. But what we get is several verses on holiness. Holiness. We're told to walk in love, and then suddenly we're hit with the holy stick. So let's just read it together. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the the sons of disobedience. Here's the thing. we are set this big challenge of being imitators of God, walking in love as Christ's love does, to live sacrificially by giving our whole self to God. And we think, wow, what on earth does that mean? What am I going to have to do? But in some ways, the bar of expectations has been set embarrassingly low. Look at verse 3. Sexual immorality and purity means pornography, sex outside of marriage. And covetousness means greedy, whether that's for food or or for money or whatever. So here's why the bar is set low. We might be skyrocketing our thoughts of sacrificial love and, and giving our whole self to God, but Paul has to remind Christians, stop watching porn having sex outside marriage, being greedy, making silly jokes, and acting like fools, and instead, be thankful. Be thankful and focused on God and your life with him. What part of life isn't transformed by being thankful to God and thinking on our future with God? Do people thank God when they're being sexually immoral? Is that something to thank God about? Do we bask and and soak in the love of God when we're being greedy or just being fools? For the majority of people today, the most common everyday issues falls under sex, greed, and things we shouldn't have said. And yet this was written nearly 2,000 years ago. How is it possible that this is getting increasingly more relevant? Because sin clings so closely, we're so weak, and we just face the same old problems. But what I want to do, what I want to, uh, what I do want to emphasise is, Paul says in verse six. The wrath of God comes on the sons of disobedience. The sons of disobedience, they they seem to act as a contrast. You've got the children of God, and then you've got the sons of disobedience. And it's really important to remember that they are contrasts. When Paul says the wrath of God comes on the sons of disobedience, he's not saying this could be a Christian who's struggling that one of his children could receive his wrath. He's not saying that. God's children won't receive God's wrath because that cup has been drunk by Christ. The sons of disobedience, however, they are the people who spend their whole lives denying sin, denying that ungodly living is against God denying that these things are even a problem. And quite shockingly, in some cases, in some church-looking institutions, they speak of God's love, but they don't see breaking God's law as a problem. In other words, they divorce God's love from his holiness. And I think this is why Paul says in verse 6, Let no one deceive you with empty words. They might speak about God's love, but is love without the holiness of God the love that we know and want to imitate? As we meditate on how Christ walked in love, do we ever see him put holiness aside to talk of love? Does living without holiness reflect anything of God? As as children, we we struggle, we we fail at times, we get it wrong. But we, we have a desire to walk in God's love. And we have a desire to reflect his holiness. That proves that you're a child of God, that you even care if you don't love him enough. We reflect God's holiness when we imitate him. Whether it's forgiving one another as Christ uh, forgave you, verse 32, chapter 4. Walking in a, a love that is sacrificial and obedient. And what we'll see as we go through the rest of the letter we, we reflect God's holiness when we imitate him by being, uh, walking, sorry, as children of light. Being submissive, being strong. Paul says in uh, the letter to uh, Romans, I appeal to you by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God which is your spiritual worship. What area of life does that not cover for us to give over to God? And the great thing is that Jesus helps us with this. He helps us to grow as we walk with him in our new self, as we give our whole self to him. The spirit is at work within us, transforming us inwardly, but also outwardly. We're being changed and renewed in in how we feel, how we think, what we do with our bodies, but also how we treat one another, how we behave in our job, how we mow the lawn, how we eat our cereal, how we go to bed at night, how we speak to our loved ones, to our church family, how we drink our coffee. I heard a story, I think maybe it was of John Stott, his assistant would bring him tea every day, and every day as he walked back, he would hear John Stott murmur under his breath, I am not worthy. God is deeply invested in helping his children live as his image in every single area of life. So let me ask you another question God sees us as children. If he sees you as his children, is there something you're holding back from him today? Is there something that as his children we can bring to our Father this morning? Often we're blind to it. Maybe we can pray, Father, help us to see it. Shine your light on the areas of my heart or or on our whole life. Show us what we hold back from you. And I wonder if we can, if we can give those things over to him this morning. How challenging, but how liberating would that be? What Ephesians has taught us is that when we know God's love, its breadth, length, and height, and depth, we know there is no place his love cannot go, there's no place his love cannot find you. However darkly hidden is your sin, however difficult your life, however tightly locked are your secrets, his love can find you there. When we walk in his love, it shines down from above. And the love of Christ within us is nurtured and fed. And that means our life, our whole life, becomes soaked and covered, yes, but but also rooted and grounded in his love. And our lives as they are, wrapped in the Son of God, they do become a, a fragrant offering to God, reflecting something of who he is. Let's pray. Our Father, we, we come to you this morning as your children. We thank you so much that you have made it possible that we would be your children. We pray that you would firstly and always every day remind us that you love us, that as we live as your children, we are always reminded of your love. And from that reminder, we We walk in it. We walk in your love, Lord. We pray that you would help us to give over every part of our life to you. We pray that we would not try to hide even an inch. Help us, Lord, we pray this morning, to remember your grace as we strive for this kind of life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.